Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. You know, talking about weddings, I want to get right into it. You know, it brings me to what I want to talk about is the feast. I want to talk about feasts. And my message is called The Feast. But I, I didn't like just the feast. Like, I wanted something more than just feast. Like, I was trying to look, think of something else. Like, I don't want, there's tons of feasts. Like, what do you mean, the feast? What feast? So I was like, I want a word in between it, right? And I, and I still am having a hard time. I'm not sure what to put. So I'm thinking, like, the beloved feast. And I was like, what? You know, that sounds, the beloved feast. That's pretty cool. Or the ultimate feast. But then I started thinking, and Danny's up for you for a reason. If you've never heard this man's voice, it has, he has an amazing voice. So, and so the reason I have him up here is because I want him to, to show you what was in my mind. And only he can do it. So I asked him to say this, the ultimate feast. But say it in the voice that he knows how to say it in. So listen to this, and you're going to know what I mean when I say the feast. No, 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 no. Check, check. Hey. The ultimate feast. No, no, wait. Say that again. The ultimate feast. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. All right? That was in my mind. So. So when we're talking about feast, what comes to my mind is, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, to me, it's like arroz con gandule, right? Mofongo, any Puerto Ricans in here? Pernil, you guys know, right? Whatever, man, I'll eat it all. Even things that are not in my culture. I just want food. That's what I want in my feast. That's what I think about. Think about just a whole huge table set out, you know, the, they got the pig, el puerco, and, you know, la caja china, right? Thanksgiving, whatever, right? Christmas. Um, but but the, the feast that I want to talk to you guys about is, is a feast that was established from the, from the Old Testament. Um, and the reason I thought of, of the word feast was because when the last two messages, if you guys have n were not here, by the way, for the last two messages, I was feasting, man. I was really feasting on the words that were shared these last two weeks. I was just, it was really, it's something that I've been going back and digesting. You know, it spoke to me personally. And this word is very personal to me. The only reason I'm sharing this word is because God was dealing with me. And I want to share that with you guys. Um, and if I can sum up the last two messages in a, some words, and I actually did it. I actually put some words together to try to sum up the last two messages that I heard. And I'm going to put it up here while I say it. Is it up? Put, 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 put the, the next thing that I wrote. That, Okay. So I wrote this, that when we speak to the rock, he pours out life that we can use to function in grace amidst our weaknesses, power amidst our pain, love in the midst of our fears, and holiness in the midst of our imperfections. If you, man, if you guys go back to those two messages, I've heard it two and three times each. It's spoken to me each and every time something different. God has really been tugging at me. He's been tearing into me. And, and this is why I feel that I've been sitting down on, on those chairs and just been feasting. I've been feeling full. 
And God told me, there's a feast that's happening right now. In this church, in this church body, amongst us, our body, there's a feast that's going on. And if you guys aren't catching it, I want you to start. I want you to start paying attention to what's going on and the words that are being spoken because they're power. Amen? And, and so these words that I wrote down, they basically speak of this. And this is the gist of the two, the two messages that just came by. It, um, they were, Regal and Pastor Tom were talking about the water that flows out of Jesus, right? They both spoke about that in different ways and how that water brings life to us. Okay, the water that pours out of God is something that all we have to do is receive it, drink of it, right? And then also Regal said, all we have to do is speak to that rock that pours out that spirit, right? That, that life, and, and it flows out of us, and he becomes our defense. So that was just something that I've been totally on lately. And, it, and I think it birthed this whole idea of feasting. So um, I want to take you guys really quickly to the feasts in Leviticus. So we're going to turn, the first thing we're going to do is turn to Leviticus 23. Rigo actually shared this um, he, when he was preaching. He was actually speaking about one of the feasts. So I want to take you guys there. Leviticus chapter 23. I'll give you guys some time to get there. Take, give me some time to get there. Tablets, I know, tablets. That's what I, I have my tablet here, but I always like turning my pages. All right, so the feast that they were, they were talking about, or the things that they were talking about was like speaking to God, right? And so I'm thinking feast, feast, feast. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the feasts. What were the feasts all about? Well, God established the feasts for a certain reason. There were certain things going on during the feast. It was a time of worship, right, in the body, right, amongst the believers, where they can give, offer up God, offer up to God the first fruits of what they had. So part of this feast was a time of worship. Some of this time was, was offering, giving to God, giving back to God from the abundance of what these people were receiving from him. So they would reap their harvest, right? They would sow back in those days. They would sow their seeds. And they, what they would reap was a blessing that they, gave, that they received from God. So they're saying, Lord, it was time of, me, of, of oh, um, the word is, the word is uh, memorial, thanking God and, and remembering what he'd given them. And as a result, offering it back up to God and say, Lord, thank you so much. So it was a memorial to God. Um, it was a time of consecration, of unity where people would come together in communion and they would offer it up together and they would praise the Lord and they would feast as, as in giving offerings up to God. So um, it was also a time of finding rest. So, so many things were going on during these feasts. There was so many different reasons why people did it. But it was also very costly, very, very costly. As, we, as, as you look at these feasts in, in Leviticus 23, you look at all the feasts these people were giving a ton of their goods that they had received. They had been giving their harvest, the first fruits of the grain, the wheat, grapes. They were giving their animals over for sacrifice. It was just a huge, huge event each and every time. So I started thinking, you know, what, why did he really establish this feast? I mean, was it really for these people that were bringing unto God something and thanking him? What I realized was... That God did the feast not for the people. He did it because he was wanting them to come to him. He was asking the people to come to him with what they had. But all he really wanted to do is delight in his people. 
All God really wanted to do while this was going on was see his people come together in communion. He wanted to see his children come together to worship him. That's what God wants from us. It wasn't so much about the elements. It wasn't. It wasn't about, about what we had and how much we were. Some people were poor during that time. They couldn't give all those things. But what he wanted, and I, and I feel like God this, did this just for an excuse. Just for an excuse to, have, to be with his people. Just for them to meet and come together and love on one another, right? And offer up to God and give their best, their first fruits. So I think, I mean, back then, you know, the, the children of Israel, they were just a bit fickle. Isn't that us? When we're coming to the Lord? We're just a little bit fickle sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for us to come. And I understand that, right? We, we, we go through our moments, right? It's okay. As believers, you go through your moments and it's hard. Or sometimes we just get caught up, right? And so it's fickle. And God sometimes has to, hey. So what he did is he set apart certain times. He said, you know what, guys? Don't worry about it anymore. I'm just going to tell you when to come and worship me. So back in the Old Testament, he said, you know what? The feast, this feast, Feast of Tabernacles, this is what you're going to do. Feast of the Weeks, this is what you're going to do. Feast of Uneven Bread, this is what I want you guys to do. Just come. And I want to feast on you. What? Listen to that. God is saying, I want to feast on you. I want to feast in the, the creation, my children, when they come to me and they offer to me. Oh, my God, I delight in that. That's all I want. And that's all he was asking for. And, and, you know, it's funny because we can fall into that too. Think about it, guys. We can just have our Sundays. We can just have our Sundays, right? We can come here, and, and we know that this is a time where we receive, right? We hear the word of God. We take it in. We grow from it. But sometimes this is the only time that we come and we receive and we grow from it, right? Sunday, okay, so Sunday is the time that we, we, get, we, we hear the word, we grow. And, and Wednesdays, well, Wednesdays are the days that we come and we, we, we put our petitions up to God, right? We pray for people. We pray for our situations. So Wednesdays is prayer Wednesday. And then wow, Wednesday that's coming up, that's going to be when we really worship. Come on. That's going to be when we really worship, right? No, no, no. So God's saying, no, guys. The only reason I'm calling you to me is because I want you to do this all the time. You know, I, I thought about this and I thought, I don't want to be called into worship anymore. Come on. I don't want to be called into worship anymore. You know what I want to do? I want to come into worship because I've been called. Come on. I want to come into worship every day because I know my calling, because I know who my God is. Can, can I hear an amen for that? Something. I know we don't have to be quiet about this. Guys, if you want to shout, I don't care if you want to stand up. Stand up, do something, move around, because what I'm saying right here is your God, the one who created you, the one who loved you so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross, to be sacrificed, to be given. He's obsessed with you. He doesn't want what you have to give him. All he wants is for you to come. And he wants to delight in that worship. How many can say amen? amen. Praise God. Praise God. So, so it was a time of propitiation. They were asking forgiveness. All these things that were going on. And I don't want him to, I don't want, and I don't want in my life, I don't want him to set dates to get, to grab my attention because I see where he's coming from. He's obsessed. You know, let me ask you this. Anybody here have children? Children, families, just married even? Would it be crazy, too crazy, if someone tells you, man, you kiss your kid way too much. Do chill out. 
Like you hug them too much. You're a little bit obsessed. Is it, is it too much to hug and kiss your kid too much? When I see my daughter, I want to, I want to, like, and she's like, get away. She freaks out. I mean, she loves it. She's a little, she's still small. So she, she starts giggling and stuff. But teenagers, any, anybody raised teenagers already? Mom, no! get away. My, my friends are right there. You're at school and she's like hugging on you and stuff like that. You're in the car and you're like trying to kick her out. You know, I, there t- comes a time that you don't want, you get embarrassed. But, but there's nobody that can tell us that it's too much. Or even our wives, our husbands, come on. Oof, this will speak to me. Is it too much to love on my wife? Is it too much to always want to love my wife? Never. There's never too much. And that's what God is saying. He's, he's obsessed with you. He's obsessed with you. So Leviticus 23, let's go there. Leviticus 23, verse 22. This is what I want to read. And there's a word I want you guys to grasp that I just learned. I just learned this word. When you reap, says up there, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. Did anybody knew that, know that word before? You know, you know that word before? You mean? Nobody else? I'm not alone. You knew that word. Well, well, like, I grew up in Miami, and and in school, gleaning, I have no idea. I never heard it, you know? Like, if I was to go to my mother, she's right there, my mom. If I go to, mom, don't worry about my room. The gleanings will be picked up. Get the gleaning. Gleaning. Yo limpo todo el día. Y tú, tu cuarto, estamos hecho una birria. Cleaning. Get cleaning. Gleaning. No gleanings, mom. Just the leftovers. Oye, vete al cuarto. Right? Gleanings. I learned this. What is a gleaning? Gleaning. Definition. Collecting leftover crops. So this is what I want you guys to realize. The, can I step down here for a second? Is that against the rules? Oh, oh my God, I crossed over. Okay, so the leftover crops is what after um, the children of Israel... After they gathered what God had given them, um, there was leftovers. Things that had fallen from the trees, grain that had fallen over, things that were on the edges of the field, okay? And so as they collected these crops, right, for harvest, for the feasts, as they collected these crops, God tells them, listen, the gleanings, the things that are left over, the scraps, don't worry about those things. I don't want you to, I don't want you to focus on that, on, the, on that little extra stuff. See, these people were in such abundance when they were in covenant with God. Listen to that word, guys. When they were in covenant with God. And the children of Israel were called to be covenant people. Those were the children of God. But it doesn't stop here. Look what it says. And this really caught my eye. It says, you shall leave the gleanings. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so, so what happens is that we're, we're, we're living in abundance, right? We're, we're in covenant with God, and God blesses us. And he says, listen, you have so much that what I've given you, you actually, you don't need all of it. It's in Psalms 23, 5. What does it say? You prepare a table before my presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
my cup runs over when I'm in you, when I'm in covenant with you. And that's what the children of God were supposed to be in. They were supposed to be running over in abundance. And that's exactly what happened. So he says, don't pick it all up, dude. Don't be stingy, right? Just, just leave the other stuff. I got, you know what? You have so much that you have enough to give me all that I've asked you, and you're still going to have more. Amen. Amen? And then he says, and then he says, leave the other scraps, the things that fall from you. Come on. The things that fall from your abundance that I've given you, that I've provided, leave that. Leave it for who? Who? Who does it say? For the strangers and for the poor. Who are the strangers and who are the poor? The strangers were people that didn't know God. They weren't people of covenant. The poor were the poor in spirit. People that know God, but they're just going for scraps. They're just trying to get enough. Something's going on where they can't move on from that. And, and Jesus, is, God is saying, listen, you're walking in abundance. And when you walk in abundance, things will fall out of you. And people that pass by, people that glean the fields on the edges, they're going to come into your field and they're going to start picking something up. And they're going to start receiving. All right? They're going to start, something's going to happen in their life. I don't care if they don't know God. Because of your abundance, they're going to know that I am the Lord, your God. Amen? And not just that. But because of your abundance, the people who are struggling in this life and keep, you know, walking in the mire and dragging their feet and can't move forward, they're also going to receive hope in their lives. Because what happens is your abundance doesn't just reach you and your people, right? Your family. It doesn't just reach you. There's a greater calling for each and every one of us. And it's the strangers. And it's the poor in spirit. Amen? You've got to praise, man. Give something. Oh, claps, you know. Shout. You know, I don't care if you say, dímelo, dímelo. Whatever, I don't care. Say something. I like noise. And I know Rigo likes noise too. So I'll push you guys to give me some noise. Uh, so this takes me to a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story, guys. It's the story of Ruth. You guys know this. I know a lot of you know the story of Ruth. I've read, I've read the story of Ruth. And it was, uh, I've read it before and it's just, it's an amazing story, but I read it this time and I read it in a different way because of what I just told you guys. Let's go there. Let's go to Ruth. You know, I want to, before I read Ruth, you know, I want to give you an example of what the feast, how crazy the feasts were, or what, what he was asking. He, in the Feast of Weeks, he told them to give, he told each person for like 10 days to give him, him each day 10 bulls, okay, or 10 goats, two bulls, I don't know how many, they ended up, one person ended up giving them like, like offering up and sacrifice like 50 animals in one feast. That's the abundance that God gives you. I just wanted to point that out. The abundance of what God gives you is so much that you have way too much to give when you're centered. And that, and that, that was just, I just needed to tell you that, guys. Because it makes, have you guys, kitty parties? Anybody like kitty parties? I hate kitty parties. I hate, no, I like them. I like them. But I hate them. <laughs> so imagine you go to a kitty party. And, you know, they always say, what do you want to bring? Like Jenny. Jenny always, 
you got to ask them what you want to bring. I'm like, dude, they're going to have, they're going to have stuff. No, ask them, you know, so. So what do you want me to bring? Well, you look, bring una croqueta, you know, bring los bocaditos. I don't like those either. The bocaditos with the stuff in the middle, the bread. I don't like it. And, and, and bring, and bring soda. And so you, imagine she tells you, bring 10 croquetas, bring 10 trays of, of bocadito, and then just bring like five sodas, right? Cool. So I come into the party, and imagine I'm coming to the party. All right, guys, there you go. Guys, you're going to eat. You need to eat. I got brought food. And when you go there, imagine you see like 20 trays of, of, of croquetas and then 20 other trays of bocaditos, and like there's, a, there's like 50 sodas standing tall and proud right there. You're like, what? What is this, dude? Why did she ask me to bring so much? Or why did they ask me to bring so much? Just one. If so many people are going to bring, why am I giving so much? And it's like God. God was asking them, hey, listen, every family in here, you guys got to bring 10 rams and 10 bulls. Dude, it was a slaughterhouse back then. They're like, slaughtering. But it was offer, an offering up to God. I, I don't know why I said that. Sorry. I lost my train of thought. Anyways. So the story of Ruth is, is a beautiful story, and it really um, spoke to me as we're talking about this. And I want to introduce Ruth to you. For those of you who don't know who Ruth was, Ruth was a woman from, uh, it was a Moabite woman from Moab, okay? Um, and she, uh, she married into a family who was actually a family of believers, okay? I'm going to read this to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Uh, summarize it for you. I'm going to read it. Give, give me some time here. I'm going to read you through some verses because I'm going to go back and we're really going to digest this, okay? Amen? If you got your Bibles, read it with me. I'm just reading from the New King James. It's not my favorite translation, but it's, does, it's good enough for me. So, uh, Ru- Ruth 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land that was in Bethlehem. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Wait, hold on. Let me take, let me take a drink. Thank you. It's good. <clears throat> the name of the man was Elimelech. That's good. I, I, last time I was trying to say that, I got really all caught. Elimelech. Elimelech. I couldn't get it right. Elimelech. I got it. The name of his wife was Naomi, and the, and the names of his two sons were Melon and Chilion. He was chilling. Ephrathitis of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab. So they all went to Moab because there was a famine in Bethlehem at the time. And, remain, and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. So these were children of covenant, and there was a time, yes, where they weren't supposed to marry outside, but uh, I guess at this time there was, it was okay. But, so they married outside, and they married women of, Noah, of, of Moab. The name of the, one, of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both, Malon and Chilion, also died. So the woman survived their two sons and her husband. So all their husbands died, okay? Um, they're all together. Imagine Naomi's husband dies first, and then these two other girls, her sons also die. And they're all living in Moab. So what happens is, they, uh, verse 6, I'm going to keep reading. They, then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that's Naomi, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. 
So that's Bethlehem, right? So she's in Moab. Her husband dies. Their husbands die. And then while she's there, she's like, oh, my God, what do I do now? And then somehow, someway, she hears, hey, Bethlehem, actually things have gotten a lot better there. They're starting to receive harvest again. And, and, and I don't want to get too much into it, but that was the time of the judges. So when the children of Israel, they, were, they fell away from God, there was famine, right? And then they would come back to the Lord, and God would be blessed them. So anyways, she, she said, you know what? Let me go back. So it says, therefore, she went out from, from the place where she was. Okay, that was Moab. And her two daughter-in-laws with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Verse 8. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead, with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she's saying, guys, you know, as she's leaving, and as they're leaving, she says, girls, go back to, to where you came from, okay? I have nothing to give you. I'm not going to bear another kid. Because if I do, you're not going to wait for them. You're going to want a husband, right? So she kissed them. And they lifted their eyes and voices and voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So both of them at the time said, listen, we're going to go wherever, wherever you go. Okay? Verse 11. We're going to read the whole Bible today. How about that? <laughs> but Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they are grown up? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters. Blah, blah, blah. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And check it right here. So Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. It made sense for them to go back to where they were from. It made perfect sense. And before I say this, I want to read verse 15 because it's very important. And she said, look, your sister-in-law, Orpha, has gone back to her people and to her gods. Hear that right there. Return after your sister-in-law. So, of course, the people of Moab didn't know the Lord of Israel, right? They weren't believers. So the sister-in-law goes back because she's like, she was crying. She didn't want to do it, but she went back anyways. And she goes, it is probably the best that I go back to my people, to my family that can support me. But Ruth, see, this is, this, is, this is very important. Something happened. Something was different about Ruth. There was a reason why she stuck to her mother-in-law. She saw something different. Naomi was a woman of covenant. And I think Ruth looked up to her and had gotten to know her in an intimate way as a mother, as a mother-in-law, you know, uh, that kind of relationship. And I think Ruth was saying, listen, I, I, and she actually says this, I know there's something different going on here. I know there's something that you have, Naomi. I've been around you enough. You know, you lost your husband. You lost your husband. You must be distraught. You must feel like you have nothing right now. Some of us feel that like ways sometimes, right? We just feel empty, even though we know we have God, right? And we've walked in covenant with God. We just feel we're not there. What can we offer this person, that person. I come up here sometimes, right? And if I'm going through a hard time, you know, hey, listen, I might be singing a song up here, but man, I'm struggling. But I'm going. I'm, I'm pushing through, right? And this is Naomi. She's pushing through. And Ruth says, listen, I've seen what you've gone through. I've seen the testimony that you gave me. I've seen who you are for real. I know you're going through a hard time, but the God that you serve, there's something about him. 
there's something that has filled me. And there's a reason why I can't leave you. I don't know what that is. But she says, she says in the, in, in the coming verses, look, check this out. She goes 16. And she said, look, you're Verse 16, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Please, don't make me. Or turn back from me following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Listen, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. So because of Naomi's abundance, because of Naomi's walking in covenant, this woman that didn't necessarily know God so much saw some hope in Naomi. She saw something that said, listen, I'll leave my people. I'll leave my land. But there's something that you have. I don't know what it is. It must be your God. But whatever you do, I will do. I'm going to leave my God. I'm not going to go back. There's nothing there for me. The only hope I have is to follow your God. And now he's mine. This was a woman who didn't know God. She wasn't a woman of covenant. She didn't know. But all she knew was scraps that were falling from Naomi. She was picking them up. She was picking up those scraps and she was saying, man, there's hope somewhere here. Because every time I pick that thing up, it fills me. And it doesn't seem to leave, even if sometimes I might deny it. Sometimes I might say, well, but I was brought up this way. Come on. I was brought up with these, this kind of culture. They taught me like this. But wait, something keeps drawing me back. Naomi has something that keeps bringing me back to her. And I'm going to follow her God. So Ruth and Naomi go back to Bethlehem. And you know what they become? They become gleaners. When you're down in the dirt, man, you're, you're in promise. But sometimes you feel like you're just gleaning. You're just picking them up. And Ruth, Ruth was in a strange land. What did it say the gleanings were for? For strangers. And for who else? For the poor. Who was she? She was poor. And she was a stranger. In a strange land. And after her husband died, she was poor. So she's going out there gleaning. And she's just picking up scraps. And then all of a sudden, she sees a man. She feasts her eyes on someone. She came there picking up scraps. But something was telling her there's something coming. Something's coming. And she caught a man's eye, and she told Naomi about it. She says, Naomi, I saw a man. I was gleaning at his fields on the edges of his field. And I want to go back to that field. I want to go back. He interests me. Something about that man's eye interested her when she feasted on him. She went back there, and she started gleaning the edges of the field. But now, her eyes were no longer on the scraps. Ruth's eye wasn't on the scraps anymore. She didn't want that. There was a reason she went there. She didn't want just the leftovers. She knew that this man had something else. She wanted abundance. And when she went into that field, she was gleaning, and Boaz, the man of Boaz, saw her. And check this out. Look at how tables turn. The man Boaz is in his field. He's the owner of the field. She's just trying to get scraps. And he sees her. And for some reason, she catches his eye. You know, there's people that come to church. There's people that live this life and they go for scraps, but they don't take their eyes off the elements. 
They don't take their eyes off what they're just trying to grab to, to keep going, just to live another day, just to sustain. I just need something today. But they don't lift their eyes from those elements and realize that there's something else. There's something of promise that if they just lifted their eyes and noticed that, he would come back and notice you. He knew that she wasn't there just for the elements. Boaz knew when this woman was gleaning the fields, he said, hmm, there's something different about this woman. She's not, she's not just trying to pick scraps up. She's not just trying to get a little something. Okay? She actually is moving differently. When she's picking the fields, she's not looking down. Come on. She's not looking down when she picks up this, these crops, the harvest. She's not looking down. She's looking up. She's looking up. Because this is not what she wants. She doesn't want this. She wants the owner of the field. And he notices. And so he approaches her. This man approaches her. And what happens? They become husband and wife. Boaz caught her eye. He says, this woman wants more. She doesn't just want to be in the field. She wants to be with me. And it was her redemption. Now, listen to this. Because this is going to, it blew my mind away. It blew my mind away. Listen to this. Uh, Ruth 4, the last couple of verses here. And it's uh, Ruth 4, 13 through 17. I, I don't have time to talk about all the story of Ruth. I don't. But this is very important. And this is what this message is all about. This is why it was so different to me when I saw it. It says... On, in verse 13. Okay. So Boaz took Ruth and became his wife. And when he went to, into her, the Lord gave her conception. So she bore a son. Okay. And now, I'm going to skip all that. I'm going to go to verse 17. Also, the neighbor, the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi. So, so Ruth bore a son for Naomi, right? And they called his name Obed. Okay? He is the father of Jesse. Check this out. The father of David. When we come into covenant, when we stop looking at the scraps and we look to our redemption, to our savior, to our redeemer, to what gives us an abundance, he gives us a son of promise. And check this out. Oh, my God. Listen to this. His lineage goes all the way to Jesus. Savior. Not just that. I, I want to I point something out. Listen to this. What did Regal speak about last week? Come on. David. David, come on. What did David do? What did David do to the giant, dude? He slung a rock at him, the rock of defense. Come on. And he slayed the giant. So what happens when we come into covenant with God? We have the ability to birth something that slays our giants. Come on. We have the ability when we come into covenant, when we take our eyes off the scraps, to look up to our Savior and say, I want him. I don't want that. This is what I'm here for. And when I come into that, guess what? Ruth takes ownership of that land. She now is walking in abundance. She now is moving in the spirit of the power of God. And she says, I have something to give. And when I walk, things fall from me now. Come to me, all you thirst and who are heavy laden. 
Why did Jesus say that? He wants us to walk like that too. And then we move. And as we move, the things before us may fall. What giants stand before you? What rocks do you have to sling? What do you have to birth out of your womb to slay giants before you? That's what I want you guys to see. When you come into covenant, intimacy, intimacy with God, when we spend time with God, when we feast our eyes on that which feasted their eyes on us first, because the feast of God, remember I said it? He's the one that was feasting on us. We were just kind of going for the mo with the motions, right? Doing, oh, we got to get this. We got to get that. We got we to gotta prepare this for, for God. And he's, he's like, man, I, I just, I'm just so thankful that they're doing things for me. And now God is saying, man, you feasted your eyes on me. Ruth, you feasted your eyes on me. That's why you birthed David. That's why you're slaying your giants. Anybody know anybody here who's lived in scraps and came out living in abundance? Anybody? You? Any? I'll, say, I'll say who. I can say my mother. My mother. My mother lived in scraps. My mother lived in scraps, and she trusted in the Lord, and she continued, and she lives in abundance. I could say that. You know, amen for that. And, I'm not, and she's not the only one. People sitting in this room, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Come on. I want to, I want to uh, show you guys another feast. I want to show you guys another feast. I think it's very important. How much time we got? we got? We got some time. I want to take you guys. Anybody hungry here? Hungry? Yeah. Yeah. I know what it is when you're hungry. Like, or hangry, right? Like, dude, <laughs> hurry up, dude. Hurry up. You know? You know, like, come on. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Let me give you some advice, though. Some of those who are hangry or know somebody who's hangry. My... No, 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 no. I know somebody. She's like, she couldn't come today. I know somebody, you know, and they're hungry. They're a little hangry. And just a little pointers to those who have people that are hangry. If they are negative, if, if dude, I, my shoes, I don't know, whatever. And, and she's, you know, they're hungry. Don't try to be super spiritual that time. It's not the time. Don't tell them. Yeah, but at least you have shoes. What? No, don't. Dude, just shut up. Shut up, Lord. If somebody's hung, angry, if they say something negative, you know, you ask them, where do you want to go eat? Anywhere. You know? Oh, I'm going. I'm just going. I'm going. Don't even talk. And then when they say something positive, like if they say something positive, Dude, you still can't talk. Because if you try to help them out, yeah, that's so true. I'm so, dude, what do you think? You need, I need help? What do you think you got to make me feel positive about? They don't like that either. They just don't want to hear anything, dude. They just want you to go. Just go. So that's just some pointers for those hangry people. I'm getting there. Don't worry about it. So let's go to John, guys. John 13. No, sorry. Yes. Go to, no, I'm sorry, Matthew 26, 17 through 19. For those hangry people, we'll be, we'll be completing this very, very pretty soon. Matthew 26, give me some time so I can get there. Matthew 
This is a huge Bible. <laughs> I have my other Bible. I left it, I left it at, at the way when I went over there. Anyways, so Matthew 26, 17. It says, now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread. Check this out. That's the feast. one of the feasts, right? Now, this is, of course, Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus was in the Passover. The Passover was the first day of the unleavened, feast of unleavened bread. So he says, uh, it says, so now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Okay. And he says, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. So Jesus was asking them, listen, my time is coming. I want you to prepare a feast for me, just like the Old Testament. He wants them to prepare a feast for him. But there's something different that happens in this feast, something new, something that they never had experienced before. And in this feast, God, Jesus, sat down at the table with them. He sat at the table with them. He sat with his obsession. He, sat, he said to himself, I'm sure Jesus said this, I'm here with what I'm obsessed with. I'm here with my love, and I'm sitting at the table finally. I'm sitting at the table with them. <gasps> he was... I'm sure he was in awe. He was like, oh, my God, there's no other place I'd rather be than to feast here with them. They prepared this for me. They prepared this feast. Now, in this feast, there was food. They were enjoying some food. So he's enjoying food with them. He's feasting with them. Okay? And the people at the table really interested and caught my eye. In this feast... As Jesus is sharing, pouring, if you guys haven't read John 13 through 17, read it. Read it. You're laughing. You probably read it. Amen. Such a powerful, such powerful chapters. Picture this, guys. Somebody that knows they're about to die, and they start talking to you. You listen. You guys stop. The whole world stops at that moment. Someone has something to say when they're about to die. You're going to listen. Read those chapters. I, when I read those chapters, every time, I'm just, it's blown, I'm blown away. I'm like, he, he pours his heart out to these people, his heart out to these people. And so check this out. So in John, in, sorry, uh, yeah, in Matthew 26, 17, 9, also, actually, no, let's go, sorry, I'm confusing you guys. I'm confusing myself. Sorry. John 13, go to John 13. That was just a reference because I wanted you to see the feast and how he was sitting at the table. Now let's go to John 13, 21 through 25. John, 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 John. Come on. Whatever. John 13, 21 through 25. It says this. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And 22. Then the disciples looked at one another perplexed about whom he spoke. They had no idea. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him, <laughs> cracking me up because I'm thinking this in my head, to ask who was the one, who it was of whom he spoke. 
so this is the picture I have in my head. There, he's talking, he's saying, you know, so one of you guys will betray him. And Simon Peter, you know, he, I don't know where he sat at the table, but I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking he's sitting a couple rows down, right? He's not the one right next to him. We know that because John is over here. And I'm, just, I'm guessing maybe there's two people between them. And he's like, as Jesus is talking, psst, psst, John, shut, shut up, bro. Shut up. Jesus is speaking. Psst, hey, Andrew, John, Andrew. Out of the way, J- James, move, bro. John, where's John? Where's John? John's right next to Jesus. Somebody come up here, please. Come on. And then I need somebody else. One more, a guy, a guy. It can't be a woman. Yes, come on. Perfect, perfect. So this is this is Jesus because he got the beard going. Oh no 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 no! This is Jesus. Look at this, bro. This is crazy. Okay, so he's more Jesus than you. All right. All right, go, come over here. He could be an Israelite, dude. Dale. Okay. So, okay, so sit on the, sit on that, on that. No, you stay here. This is unplanned, sorry. Yeah, sit up, sit up there. Okay, so we don't have enough chairs. So put your hand on his bosom. Put your... No, but no, but not just like that. That's not how he was. John, John wasn't like that. John was like, like. <laughs> and then I need two more. Two more. No, don't worry about it. John! Psst! John! James, get the heck out! John! And then John turns to him because he doesn't keep going crazy. Jesus, who he's talking about. You can sit down. That's it. That's good. That was my skit. Thank you. Thank you very much. He's like, everybody's like, shut the heck up, dude. There's something important going on here, man. What are you talking about? John asked him. Leave me alone. And he's like, dude, John, you're all over Jesus, bro. Get off of him already. Like, nobody else can be by him because you're, like, all over him, right? While this feast was going on, the elements were going, they were all eating, right, right? And Jesus, and sorry, and John, he doesn't even care about the elements. Come on. John doesn't care. John has no care in the world to eat anything but every word that comes out of the mouth of his Savior. (sighs) My God, I just got tingles. Look at my face. I just got like goose pimples. Goose pimples, I like saying that. Goose pimples. I don't say goosebumps. That's boring, right? Goosebumps. Goose pimples. All John wanted to do is receive, man, because he knew there was a feast going on. Not the feast on that table. Not the, not the food that was laid out. Something else, man. He was just receiving. He was being filled. And all he wanted to do is be as close to Jesus as he can as he spoke every word. He was feasting on Jesus. Again, guys, we have to take our eyes off of these elements because there's something greater going on in our midst. There's something powerful. You know, you might find yourself, you know what? There's people here in this church, and I don't know if they're all here. Actually, I know one of them isn't here that are going through different areas in their life. We, 
in this church, my God, there's an example. Uh, Maori and Alex just had a baby. Praise God. Maori's here today. Where is he? Okay, okay. So Maori, Maori, and they had it. So they're, they're celebrating a new birth. But at the same time, there's families here like Haisa and Jose who just lost someone. And they're mourning and they're going through and they're, you know, learning to deal with a loss of somebody. Right? And still some people just got married, right? Rudy. There's, there's like three couples, I think. We were talking about, right? Three couples that just got married. Just now, right? Oh, no, no. They, they got engaged. All the couples that just got engaged. You guys just got engaged. I mean, there's, listen. Oh, that's right. You guys got married. So, so there's so many things going on here. I mean, there's so many things within this feast, right? There's things going on. People are, are in different areas in their life. But I want you to catch something. Just because we might be going through a hard time, just because we might be going through a blessing uh, or through a great time, doesn't mean that we can't, in the midst of that, feast on our God. God is calling us to feast despite that. And, and, and that only happens when we can feast our eyes on God and not on those elements. So no matter where you are, I want you guys to recognize this is something we always have to do. We have to examine what we're focusing on. We need to realign our focus. It's so easy to get lost. I'm going to give you an example. I'm an obsessive person. Danny knows that. Danny, I'm obsessive about things. Crazy. Danny, there's people that, like, I'm fishing right now. I, I learned something. I'm fishing. And then I tell Jenny, hey, I'm going to go fishing. You know, can I go fishing? You got to ask. You don't tell. You know? So, can I go fishing? Yeah, yeah, go. I'm just going to be 15 minutes. Just 15 minutes. I'm going to go fishing. Dude, are you? Yeah. Well, I try. I mean, I've gotten better. But it's, I can't fish for 15 minutes. I mean, I'm like rushing. Do <laughs> you see? If you would see me fishing as I'm going out there to fish, man, I'm like running, grabbing my tackle box. You know, I'm tripping. My, my rods are everywhere. I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> and, then, and then when I go to the lake to fish, fishermen know this. I'm not a fisherman, by the way. I just like to fish. Because when I throw, like, the line out, it, it goes to the grass. Like, what the hell? I try to throw it out. It ends up in the grass. I'm stuck. And I get stuck. I'm like, crap. I'm not a fisherman. I'm learning. But I tippy-toe to the, to the lake because I don't want to see the, I, want, I don't want the fish. You're going to think I'm crazy. I don't want the fish to see me. I'm like, I try to, I put the glasses that, you know, the glasses on that you can see the fish. So I'm, like, back there. I'm like, let me try to get him. You know, and, and then it ends up over there. Crap. That's how I am. I'm, I'm really, but I end up staying there for about an hour. And then I go back and I'm like, oh my God, what can I make up? Something happened. <laughs> but I, she knows. So when I go in there, I'm just praying. I'm hoping and praying that nothing happens. And then she, she, she's like, hey. I'm like, hey. Yeah? How you doing? Good, good, good. Good. All right. And I just try to tippy-toe to the bathroom. I got to take a shower. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I got away with it. <laughs> so, but um, what, he wants us to become obsessed with him in the same way, guys. The way he's obsessed with us. And I want to, as I'm closing, please, music, come up. I want to finish with the verse that both 
Regal and Pastor Tom share in their messages. This ties so well with this message. It's in John 7.38. I want us to turn there. John 7.38. In closing, I want you guys to grab this. It says, let's go to verse 37, whatever. Let me get some water. It says, on the last day, that great day, remember the great day where Regal spoke about? Of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. This was during a feast, by the way, guys. Remember? This was during a feast. They went there, and Jesus says to them, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I don't like this translation so much. I mean, it's cool, fine. But King James is more on point. King James knows what he's talking about. Not the new. I don't, know who the, I don't know who the dude that wrote the new King James version was. It wasn't King James. But King James wrote it. Right? And it says, he that believeth in me, as the scripture hath said, hath said, out of his belly. Oh, that's so different. It's not just out of the heart. Now, we could say heart, and there's a correlation. But out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Why is that so significant? This is what I'm going to say in closing. The belly represents all that we desire and all that brings us pleasure, right? We want to satisfy ourselves. You guys are getting hungry. I'm seeing faces looking at me like, dude. You know, pissed. Don't worry about it. We're getting there. Out of his belly, out of that person's desires, their pleasures, shall flow rivers of living water. That's so important because before we came to the the Lord, what flowed out of our bellies was so, so selfish. But now what flows out of our bellies is what she was saying during worship. It's pleasing the Lord. Our pleasure is is to delight in him. Our pleasure is to feast our eyes on God despite what we're going through. No longer do we have to look at the elements. Now, all we have to do is feast our eyes on God. And when we do that, how do you live this life? We answered those questions already. Guys, if you need to listen to the last two messages, do it, please. Because if you're still trying to figure out how to live this life, this is the verse. It says... Drink from me, and out of your belly, out of your own desires will flow rivers of living water. The Spirit of God comes out. Let's hear some piano. I like to talk when there's piano. Beautiful. Come on, come on. And then I talk, and it sounds beautiful, right? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Guys, we have desires. We, we, We have a lot of things we go through. And sometimes we ask the same question over and over. You know, God is speaking to us and we just go back and we say, God, how do, you, how do I do this? Or I don't know if that's the right way. <laughs> and our bellies aren't full with the spirit yet. He's saying, dude, stop trying this. You are failing to realize what you have to do. You have to look at me. You have to feast your eyes on me. You have to just speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. You have to go down to the river, man, and drink of the word of God. 
Come on, drink from the You want power? You want to overcome your giants? You want to birth those things that slay your giants? Come to the Word of God. I challenge you to read the Bible. I challenge you to get on your knees. I challenge you because I can guarantee you if you're not living in abundance, I can guarantee you there's something wrong. There's something that's not going on. I can guarantee you you're not on your knees. I can guarantee you you're not opening up that word and feasting from God. I know this. Why do I know this? I've been there. I've done that. And guess what? Sometimes I find myself starting to grab scraps again. And what do I got to do? I got to come back and say, no. I know my promise. I've met him. I know those things that I'm trying to pick up is not what I need to have my focus on. I have to stop fishing so much. You know what I got to do? I got to open the word of God. I got to feed from his word. You know, Ravi Zacharias, an amazing, amazing theologian, um, wrote a book that I'm reading. And in it, he, he described how the people that would ask God questions kept asking the same questions because they really weren't interested in the answer. Have you guys asked God something, but you're really not interested in what you have to say? Guys, let's be purposeful when we ask God. If he answers us, if he answers us, our failure sometimes is that we don't really want to know what he has to say. We're just asking because we want to feel good at the moment, right? Sometimes we come to church because we just want to feel good for the moment and say, hey, I go to church. I love God. How many people do you guys know that love God and are living distraught? How many people do you guys, how many people do you guys know that love God but are just picking up scraps? Guess what? You're called for such a time as this that you can go before those people, that you can walk in abundance and as your scraps fall, they say, you know what? I've been called for more. I've been called for something greater and I need to walk in that. When I believe, when I come to my Savior, when I look up to my eyes, where the hills, to the hills, right? Where cometh my help? Then I find my Savior. Then I find my God. I find that which satisfies me. Come on, guys. Let's stand for a second. God wants you guys to feast your eyes on Him. Stop looking at those elements. Start feasting on the one. there's something greater and I want that as we come right now as we close this meeting I don't want to invite you guys up you can come up if you want to we can pray together but we're all on this boat right now I am in there too we just have to say God help me as I seek you as I'm living this life let me remember that it's not about me anymore that all I have to do is lift my eyes to you and you allow me to live in abundance amen